0: Hello, and welcome to Prophecy Girls, a Buffy rewatch podcast. I'm Kara Babcock, pronouns she, her.
1: And I'm Stephanie Chow, pronouns she, her. Join us each week as we break down every episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer from the beginning.
0: This is a spoiler-free podcast, and we're currently on Season 3. Whether you're watching for the first time, or longtime fans like us, We'll be analyzing every episode, character, and storyline like it's our first time, too.
1: During this rewatch, we'll reminisce about our memories of Buffy, discuss the show's cultural impact, and provide honest commentary from a 21st century lens.
0: Thanks for listening!
1: Now, on to the episode. Season 3, Episode 13, The Zeppo.
0: Do you know what The Zeppo is a reference to, Stephanie?
1: Uh, it, it's one of the Marx Brothers, is it not?
0: You are correct.
1: <gasps> ding, ding, ding!
0: Early in the episode, when Cordelia is the one who says, you're the Zeppo, um, she is referencing Zeppo Marx, who is kind of like the, the fall guy of the Marx Brothers, and I kind of see it when it comes to Xander.
1: <laughs> you're like, okay, that's clever, yeah. Uh, oh, we're, we're jumping right in, but what we should say is, hi everybody, <laughs> welcome back to Prophecy Girls. We've taken a very short break over the holidays, but it's not like... Like, did we, like, did you guys really miss us? Because we were all over social media and we posted two bonus episodes for you. So you're welcome. You're welcome. Happy holidays. You, you spoiled brats. (laughs) 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 But you know what? I'm glad that we're back because over the past couple months, a couple of people have written to us on social media just to say, I'm really nervous for you to watch the Zeppo because obviously Xander Slander was created on this podcast but they really love this episode this episode means a lot to them so they're just like nervous that we were going to trash it just because we don't like Xander but fear not listeners I actually really loved this episode I thought it was really good
0: same um this was one of my favorite episodes it was on my little top 10 list that I did years and years ago when I had a little Buffy marathon with a friend Mm -hmm. I think this episode might be one of the reasons why I so mistakenly identified Xander as my favorite character when I was younger. I think this episode kind of had like a formative effect on me in a sense because, yeah, it's a really good episode. The storytelling structure is wonderful. It's actually very influential because there's been a lot of other episodes of other TV shows that have done this. It's very similar to a previous episode episode of the tv series star trek the next generation called lower decks which was in the final season of the series and uh that episode also focused on characters who weren't a part of the main cast so it's the same kind of conceit this idea that the the whole story like there's some, there's a bigger story going on that we don't mm-hmm. really see a lot of and it, it's different it's a lot of fun and I, I think we need it at this point in this season because there's been so much going on and Hopeless was such a brutal episode.
1: Yeah. This is the, like a
0: breath of fresh air.
1: I agree. It's a welcome change. And I, 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 the way how you just described that was so good. The way I put it was, you know, there's usually a plot A and plot B and plot yep. A is the bigger Buffy life or death situation that's happening. And part B would be something the side characters going through. Well, in this case, what should be plot B Has become plot A because it is from Xander's perspective. And it is a welcome change. And I think it's time because we haven't had a Xander centric episode in a very long time. And unfortunately, the last couple of, well, I guess the last three seasons, Xander's been on our nerves. And he's done and said a lot of things that have led us to just dislike him and want him to grow up and want him to change. Well, I think he's starting to. I mean, I liked him in this episode. I think he did a really good job. He wore the hero hat and it suited him. Yeah. So this is going to be, I mean, this is a good episode overall for us to talk about in terms of Xander's character growth. Let's do it. Let's do it. So... (laughs) Okay, I don't know if you had this, but I did. <laughs> there was a previously on Buffy. And all it was, was Giles getting fired. It was just, you're fired. <laughs> and then
0: went- I didn't get that. Oh. oh,
1: so funny. I love how short
0: that is. So I it's noticed so Giles is dressing casual in this scene.
1: Yeah, he's like, you know, activity dad ensemble. <laughs> and I love it. Well, <laughs> when we open the episode, we're on an elf that's loose in a cave. <laughs>
0: I hate it when my elves get loose in a cave. You know, you think they're securely on your shelf and then you turn around (laughs) and suddenly they're rampaging in caves.
1: And you need Willow to hold a candle and speak Latin to confuse them and make clouds show up. And uh, sure enough, that's what's happening in this scene. Buffy and Faith and Giles are all watching as this elf is just wandering around the fog while Willow has clearly casted a spell. Then Willow takes the spell away. Buffy and Giles tackle the elf. Giles gets thrown, of course. And... Faith runs out and stabs the elf with a sword, and it dies.
0: Good job. Also, hi, Faith. Where have you been?
1: Oh, yeah. Hey, Faith. I didn't even realize that until like, now. Faith, it's been like yeah, five here episodes. You haven't
0: several episodes. Since Christmas. And now she, she's just here. <laughs> she's just cool. It's all good.
1: Oh, she came back from her trip. That's great. Giles says, I think that was the last one, and... Willow comes out and she's shaking and she says, the shaking is a side effect of the fear, (laughs) which I thought was so cute. They all say her clouding spell went well. And she's like, yep, nothing melted this time. Faith starts wondering about the creatures. And Giles says his sources have dried up since the council relieved him of his duties. Yeah, we already know that, Giles, because previously you were fired. (laughs) And then it cut right to the episode. Also, it
0: seems like everybody's just forgiven him for rendering Buffy powerless by drugging her against her will in order to undergo an ordeal that would torture her?
1: Oh, yeah. Well, to forgive one would mean you'd need to give a shit, and no one seemed to care about that. Um, I actually have something to say about that at the end of the episode, too, but it, it's true. Cool. Apparently, all like Giles puts on his fleece jacket and all is well. <laughs> <laughs> so also when he says that he's run out of resources from the council like what what sources were you using from the council the council was useless in everything you ever did so what's the loss he says that he knew there was a nest down in the cave but he thought it would be vampires otherwise he would have helped prepare them and that's when xander pops out of this trash nearby because clearly he was thrown over there and knocked out for a bit and they all ask him if he's okay and he's like If anyone sees my spine laying around, just try not to step on it. And Buffy is very cautious, but she's like, Xander, one of these days you're going to get yourself hurt. And Faith says, or killed. And Buffy's like, or both. And with the pain and the death, maybe you shouldn't be leaping into the fray like that. Maybe you should be fray adjacent. (laughs) And Xander resists this, obviously saying, who at the crucial moment distracted the lead demon by letting her pummel him about the head. (laughs) So the conversation goes to what they should do with the body of the elf. Should they burn them? Willow makes a joke that she brought marshmallows. <laughs> she says occasionally she's callous and strange. These are these are this is a well-written episode by the way. There's a lot of funny jokes in here. And Giles is more interested in finding out what they are. And as they leave, Giles tells Xander that maybe in the future we'd best if he hung out in the rear of the battle for his own sake. And I was like, Well that's very rich, Giles, because you're the one who's usually knocked unconscious. (laughs)
0: Ooh, burn. I know.
1: I was like, who are you? Are we going to get
0: a little bit of Giles slander for the last episode?
1: Someone needs to be slandered per episode. If it's not going to be Xander, (laughs) I guess it's Giles. So (laughs) Xander Xander then says um, a Superman reference, which he says, gee, Mr. White, if Clark and Lois could get all the good stories, I'll never be a good reporter. And that's a Jimmy Olsen joke. uh, And then we cut to credits.
0: Okay, so... I don't think we should let it pass unremarked that this is really the first time we're seeing Willow using magic to help people out in battle. Um, We've seen her use magic to help solve some problems before, like the famous Mangus tripod, of course, and restoring Angel's soul. But up until now, Giles has always been very reluctant to encourage willow's practice of magic and certainly we've never seen her use magic kind of like in the heat of battle to help everybody else out so it's just really interesting that it's just happening here and everybody seems to think it's very normal like clearly they've been practicing this for a little bit um there's a couple of moments in the episode that give us a glimpse into Elements of the Scooby dynamic that we haven't seen before. And this is one of them, but it's also just noteworthy, right? This is Willow is using her magic more and more.
1: Well, I think that's also important to note for the overall theme of the episode, which is what is Xander's purpose? Because uh, obviously, later on, we bring up that every person in the Scooby gang has a power or something to contribute with. So, in the very opening scene, having Willow using magic helps add to that element Mm -hmm. of Xander being useless and tossed aside.
0: Yeah, well, that is Xander's purpose. Hmm. Xander is to be useless and wrong.
1: <laughs> yes, and we like that. Why do we need to change that? <laughs> so we open on Sunnydale Quad. Xander is trying to get these two jocks to toss him the football. I'm like, this is so weird, but I get why they're doing it. They're setting it up to be like, you know, two, these two jocks are clearly popular guys. They play sports. Xander's not one of them. And he fumbles the ball and it hits this guy's lunch bag nearby and knocks it out of his hands. So Xander goes to apologize and pick up the football, and the guy has it in his hands, and he looks like a tough 45-year-old student (laughs) with his beard and his leather jacket. And the guy calls him the R-word. And I will say that, I mean, I know it's obviously you, we haven't, use the r word in our vocabulary for a very long time but to see it so casually thrown out there in this episode i was taken aback because it's so true it used to be casually used all the time it still is i'm sure in a lot of places but um in my social circle it's definitely not so to just hear it so casually thrown in there i was like whoa it's shocking to hear Agreed. so xander is rambling and he's nervous because this guy is obviously very tough he offers to buy him, I think, a drink in exchange for his lunch. Um, And the guy says, I ought to cut your face open. And Xander's like, it was an accident, cool down. Basically, this guy threatens him. And he just says, if I get my buddies together, we're going to kick your ass. And it's going to be until it's a brand new shape. Now get out of here. So Xander looks sad because he was just bullied. And he takes the football, throws it back to the jocks. And of course, Cordelia was watching this whole exchange. And she walks up to him and says, of all the humiliation you've had that I've witnessed, that was the latest. (laughs) And um, she says that guy's name is O'Toole, and he would macrame your face because he's a psycho, which is still a lot cooler than being a wuss.
0: This this is Cordelia with the lack of tact, right? Like just saying exactly what's on her mind. You know, I, I don't like, it is clear that she's trying to hurt Xander in this scene. She is kind of falling back on her bullying Mm wades but i honestly don't think she believes that that particular remark is bullying i think she's just stating a fact
1: (laughs) yeah i think it jumps between her being actually trying to be mean and just actually saying how it is right and zanner asks why it is that he's faced vampires, demons, and the most hideous creatures Hell's ever spit out, and he's still afraid of a little bully like Jack O'Toole. And Cordelia says, unlike those other creatures you've come face to face with, Jack actually noticed you were there. <laughs> and Xander asks, why am I surprised by how comforting you're not? And Cordelia says, it must be really hard when all your friends have superpowers, slayers, werewolves, witches, vampires, and you're this little nothing. You must feel like Jimmy Olsen.
0: <laughs> Ooh, Cordelia gets the Superman reference.
1: Well, Cordelia spent a lot of time with Xander. Like, I think we forget because Xander so unceremoniously broke her heart by cheating on her. But Xander and Cordelia dated for almost a year, like in a lot of ways longer Mm -hmm. than Willow and Oz. So she knows him. And I think that, you know, in the time that they spent together, she definitely would have listened to him talk about comic books. So... Cordelia a smart person. She remembers facts. So she definitely would have used something that Xander brought up to her with his own interest against him. <laughs> so to say that you look like Jimmy Olsen, I think is really brilliant of her to insult him with. Xander tells her to mind her business and Cordelia says, ah, oh, I struck a nerve. The boy that had no cool. And Xander says he has a lot to offer to the group. And Cordelia says, you're the useless part of the group. You're the Zeppo. Cool. Look it up. It's something that a sub literate that's repeated 12th grade three times has and you don't. And she's referring to Jack O'Toole. So she walks away and as she's walking away, she says, there was no part of that. That wasn't fun. (laughs) And like you said, Kara, she's bullying him. It's not nice to bully him, but I I just want to bring up again that he broke her heart and she doesn't have to be nice to him. No, she didn't have to go up to him and insult him to his face and kick him while he's down. But I understand her need to make him hurt the way she's hurt
0: yeah speaking of people whose hearts got broken by xander we cut to the cafeteria <laughs> <laughs> to a wonderful shot of the very delicious sunnydale high cafeteria menu carbs
1: carbs carbs
0: <laughs> i mean carl likes carbs but not like that yeah. um,
1: spaghetti and hot who dogs who is
0: xander sitting down to talk to about coolness it's none other than oz and i found this scene very interesting we've kind of talked before about how Xander and Oz have had some tentative exchanges back and forth since the mm-hmm. incident. Oz, I don't know, like, like it's hard to tell if Oz just doesn't want to talk to Xander in this scene or if he just doesn't want to talk because Oz doesn't talk. Um, but, I mean, he's sitting with Xander. Is he just tolerating Xander? Oz is, like, listening to Xander go on and on, but, like, w- what does it mean to be cool? What is coolness? Who decides if you're cool or not? Uh, what is the essence And he's like, Oz, you're considered cool. What's the secret?
1: (laughs) Oz is like, am I?
0: (laughs) Yeah, well, that's the but that is the secret, right? Which is what Xander has to learn in this episode is cool people don't try to be cool. And it's the lack of effort that makes you cool. And Xander's constant attempts to be cool are backfiring. Um, And Oz basically says this in his own way with words. (laughs) because Xander's like is it because you express yourself in short non-committal answers and Oz says could be (laughs) you know the pithy philosopher uh and Xander's got all these other hypotheses he's like you're in a band he's like hmm maybe I could learn guitar what do I have that's my thing so Xander's clearly you know in kind of like a little bit of a I don't don't know what you would call this like a fifth life crisis like one-fifth of your life not even Teenage yeah crisis it's
1: like he needs something um, that nobody else has right? yeah
0: and, and that's pretty much what oz says right is he's like you know what like chill these are just some identity issues every every teenager has them and we have a wonderful juxtaposition where oz trails off and says it's not and we cut to giles in the library saying the end of the world <laughs> because it is the end of the world, and what's going on in the library staff?
1: well, Giles is talking to Buffy, and he says that that elf they saw the night before <laughs> is the sisterhood of Jay, an apocalypse cult, and they exist solely to bring the world's destruction, and we've not seen the last of them. More will come, and that's when Oz comes in I guess straight for the cafeteria or is this later in the day, it must be about five o'clock, and he goes into the cage and Giles is like, "Oh, you're cutting a bit close, and Oz is like, "You know me." And then Buffy is just like, why are they here? Like, what do they want? And Jal says they intend to open the Hellmouth, the one that opens about 20 feet from where you're standing. So let's not forget, in Prophecy Girl, those large, five-headed, penis-looking demon came out of the floor. So they're they're saying that that's going to come out again.
0: Oh, that's not good. We don't want one of those again. Also, in this scene, we... Uh, there's a little exchange between Buffy and Giles, where Giles is like, you know, we need to take this seriously. Buffy says, I am taking this seriously. You know, she's like, note my serious demeanor and stuff. And, and Giles is kind of like, he's a little bit admonished for that. And he's like, oh, well, I'm sorry. Like, I'm just a little on edge since I've been fired, which we know, Giles, you don't You're have fired. to keep bringing it up.
1: <laughs> we got the summary at the beginning.
0: <laughs> yeah, I, I do sense that the dynamic between them has changed because he's not her watcher anymore. So perhaps she's still deferring to his expertise and his knowledge, but I think we're starting to see Buffy truly being the leader of the group. And if she thinks Giles is being out of line, from now on, she is going to tell him and he may defer to her a bit more.
1: Mm, Yeah. Uh, I also want to point out that Oz is now a werewolf and he howls while he's in the cage. A cage that will definitely hold him in because nothing ever breaks out of that cage. never had
0: any issues. The windows are super secure. (laughs)
1: Like, stop using that cage, you guys. So the next morning at school willow and buffy are walking into the doors and willow is asking what will happen when the hell mouth opens buffy says remember when that demon that almost got out the night i died it'll be the first to come out and giles says it won't be the worst by a long shot the world will be overwhelmed with demons if we don't stop it giles is trying to narrow down when it happens and if you're up to it we're heading into deep research mode and willow says that she'd be offended if she hadn't already been counted in and buffy Aww. says thanks I and I was like, oh, that's sweet. I also think it's interesting that, also, that like they wouldn't have already just counted her in. Like, it's just like, obviously, Willow's gonna be helping. I think they put this in because I was thinking about it. I was like, well, why would they even need to ask Willow? And i like, well, that just, you know, juxtaposes the fact that they don't want Xander involved. Willow's helpful, Xander's not. So Buffy says, thanks. Something about the scares me and I need my Willow. Ah, We haven't <laughs> seen a little friendship moment between the two of them in a while. So I like that. Yeah. So that's when a car honks and Xander drives up in a blue car. And I do not know what car it is. Oh, no, I do because they they said it later. It's a 57 Chevy Bel Air is what it is.
0: So neither of us are motorheads. So for anybody who does like cars, we apologize because we don't care
1: okay also i'll say that i was watching this with uh my fiance sebastian who is a car person and i was like is that a good car and he's like well he's like i wouldn't want it but it is a nice car and i was like what does that mean that's not helpful <laughs> well I, I
0: feel like i get what you say it, it's a nice car in the way that kind of like these days you know a more expensive kind of car is a nice car but if you were going to choose like if you had the money to choose a classic car you probably yeah. wouldn't that wouldn't be your first choice and that's this is consistent with what xander goes on to say right so mm-hmm. buffy and xander start grilling him about what what the hell is going on right and <laughs> yeah. buffy's like is, is this a penis thing right because <laughs> xander's basically jumped from teen crisis to midlife crisis
1: yes it is a penis thing buffy you are absolutely um,
0: correct <laughs> and th- they ask him how he can afford it and he gives them some story about his uh his uncle Rory and how because his uncle Rory keeps getting DUIs, he's letting Xander (laughs) like rent the car from him, Um, which doesn't really answer the question because it's like, how much are you paying your uncle Rory? Where are you getting this money from, Xander? Do you have a job?
1: Well, Xander obviously has money because he's dated Cordelia for so long he would have had to take care of
0: their dates. Yeah, they never mentioned this.
1: No, he should have had a part-time job this whole time. And Buffy is very unenthused. She's just like, it's nice right and Xander asks what's going on and they say evil's coming more than Buffy can handle and Xander says we'll handle it together you know I'm here for you just tell me what to do and that's when we cut to Xander at his local Tim Hortons like <laughs> getting donuts yeah and Cordelia comes up behind him and she says "Ooh, some evil going on must mm-hmm. be a big of them to entrust you with the, this daredevil mission <laughs> Xander insults her, and then Cordelia says, Oh, I struck a nerve. I am the surgeon of mean.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I love that line. She's so good.
1: She really is. And Xander walks past her, and Cordelia calls him expendable. And he's like, you think you know everything. And Cordelia says, I think I know you. You have a shiny car, and now you're someone new, like anybody even cares about. And then cut, random hot blonde girl who walks up to Xander and says, is this your car? And she's the one that says it's a 57 Chevy Bel Air. She says it's like a something 283 CID solid lifter fuel injected V8. Like she says a bunch of stuff. She's clearly a girl who gets off on cars and Xander's like, "Uh, very possibly because he doesn't know anything about it. And She's asking it how it handles, and he offers to give her a ride, and he says he has to drop off those donuts, but then he describes himself as expendable while looking at (laughs) Cordelia. And the girl gets into the car, Xander gives Cordelia a look, and they drive off, and Cordelia's speechless. So in the world of fighting exes, that's a really great move for Xander. But then we cut to the bronze, where yeah. the girl is still talking about cars, it's clearly been a few hours, and Xander it can't even pretend that he cares, or that he's not.
0: Xander has made the classic mistake of thinking the girl is into him because of his car. She's not into him, she's into the car, and we're going to see this later on where, do we ever learn this girl's name?
1: No, we don't.
0: Right, so, she, she yeah, she is weirdly into cars because later on it's like all she cares about is will she get to go for a drive
1: do these women exist are you out there people who only care your whole personality is other people's cars i feel like she's a
0: horse girl except for cars (laughs) like they they must exist
1: we're not hating on horse people we're just saying like (laughs) if this is a, a new thing to me Thank God, Angel comes in. Sweet, sweet Angel. (laughs) Wearing clothes. And he comes in, and Xander is like, buddy, friend, buddy, and waves him over.
0: The fact that Xander (laughs) is calling Angel his friend is a sign of how desperate he feels.
1: Like how he just really wants to be anywhere else but here. And this is funny because once again, okay, so from here on out, like this is where I think the episode really picked up for me because we're really going to be getting Xander's point of view on everything. And Mm -hmm. in this exchange between Xander and Angel, to me, it's very much how Xander views Angel. And Angel comes in. He's like, something's happening. I've seen portents. I don't think they know what they're dealing with. And I got to find Buffy, right? (laughs) Like, Just super serious and like awkward and weird. And Xander says, yes, let's go to them. Let's go tell them that we need their help. Uh, And Angel's like, no, no, it's best you stay out of harm's way. And he (laughs) (laughs) leaves. And the girl says, can we go for another drive? So Xander takes the girl outside and they get to his car and he's bitching because he's like, hey, I like. it's not like I haven't helped before. I've done some quality violence for these people. Do they even think about that? And he's bitching as he starts the car and he's like, they just act like I'm a giant klutz. And as he says that, he rear ends the car in front of him because he is a huge klutz. And of course, Jack O'Toole, the 45 year old from earlier.
0: I knew you were going to say out. that
1: he looks so old like i know i know cordelia said that he's failed grade 12 three times making him like 21 yeah, he's maybe. older and
0: his to be fair his beard is quite scruffy so it's got that look of like an older teenager who's still struggling <laughs> to grow a beard yeah and he's also shorter right like he he he's not quite like a he's not a physically imposing guy mm-hmm. he's just mentally imposing with his attitude
1: and his knife <laughs> his giant knife
0: right so we'll get to the knife
1: <laughs> so we, we cut to the library where oz the werewolf is growling and willow says he's cranky don't dogs sense when there's an earthquake and they bark or cows lie down or something <laughs> i've never heard the cows thing but i have heard that dogs sense those kind of things so Buffy is reading about the Sisterhood of Jay, which is a race of female demons, fierce warriors who celebrate victory in battle by eating their foes. And then Buffy says, Couldn't they just pour Gatorade on each other? <laughs> and um, that's when Giles comes out and he says, those cancel members won't even take his calls, those idiots. Like he's super pissed and buffy is getting itchy feet she wants to go check the streets maybe go see willie and giles is trying to contact the spirit guides because they exist out of this time and they have knowledge of the future and he's not sure if they'll respond but he needs to try all we know is that the fate of the entire world rests on and he starts getting like really intense then he notices that someone ate all of the jelly donuts
0: (gasps) no (laughs) This is your punishment for drugging Buffy Giles. You're never getting another jelly donut as long as you live. They're going to make sure of that
1: i know and i think that's why i think he knows that and that's why he lets it go because he's like i always have jelly i'm the one who says let's ha- put jelly in the mix <laughs> and willow says sorry buffy ate three way
0: to throw your friend under the bus willow
1: yeah maybe she knows that like giles owes buffy some so when she says well buffy ate all the jelly ones giles is just like oh well it's, it's fine it's fine as long as xander goes on another that's run. a good
0: point i just i want you to know steph that if you and i are together and you eat all mm-hmm. the jelly donuts i'm gonna cover for you. oh they thank you take so that much secret to my grave
1: you won't just tell the other person i'll oh, steph ate three
0: <laughs> i mean i'd have to they'd have to like give me a really good bribe like five bucks or something and then i'd fold but
1: i love the idea of you and i getting a box of donuts one day and just eating them all <laughs> in one oh, let's sitting do it. Let's do uh, it. but if we do i don't like jelly donuts i like the plain ones i'm one of those people oh, that eats like the okay. old fashioned kind or maple dip if anyone ever wants to get this has
0: being jelly donut preferences <laughs>
1: with um, step and Kara.
0: so this was another <laughs> example of what i was saying about those moments where we kind of get insight into what the scoobies do when they're not actually like fighting monsters mm-hmm. you know up until now we've never really heard that ordering donuts is a tradition but it's apparently been going on long enough that giles has a standing jelly donut order and I think it's cute. I think it's nice that we're getting these glimpses into the fact that they've been doing this for so long. It's now part of their routine and they have food orders and expectations of each other. And it, it, there's something very comfortable about it.
1: Yeah, I agree. And I think, you know, it might have been something that went under our radar because uh, why would we pick up on it? But there have been a couple scenes where Xander throughout the show has gone to get snacks.
0: He's the snack guy. I mean, we remember that from the scene in uh, Go Fish. There's our Go Fish reference. Oh,
1: God. (laughs) That's what I was thinking because he's getting pop <laughs> he was yeah. getting soda and like even when they were researching in a men's, um he went and got pizza so i think this is like it's nice you're right it's like a comfort thing to know that they have their specific things that they do but that's what cordelia was making fun of xander for like look it obviously giles relied on those jelly donuts and cordelia's you know tearing it down being like you get the food it's not important it's important to giles okay so Giles says, we'll make Xander go on another run, and Buffy says, Let's leave Xander out of this one. He nearly got killed last time we fought, and it'll be easier if we know he's safe. No,
0: Buffy, so this is where I think the episode gets it wrong. Or not the episode, but Buffy and the Scoobies get it wrong. Leaving Xander to his own devices is the worst thing you could possibly do. Mm-hmm. You need to keep him you need to keep him where you can keep an eye on him to keep him <laughs> out of harm's way, because if you let Xander do what he wants, he is going to get up into trouble.
1: Yes, outside the bronze, again, remember, Xander crashed into O'Toole and he's apologizing and he says he doesn't have insurance and he's got no money, but he'll make it right. O'Toole pulls out his knife that we mentioned, the aforementioned knife, and he asks, w- like, where do you want it? And the girl's like, cool knife. <laughs> and Xander's like, yeah, great knife. Although I think it may technically be a sword because it's giant. And Jack O'Toole says he calls it Katie. Katie. <laughs> And Xander's like, oh, you named it after a woman, very serial killer of you. <laughs> and O'Toole holds a knife to Xander's neck and Xander's super scared. And O'Toole says, you're a woman looking at you. You can't stand up to me. Don't you feel pathetic? And Xander says, mostly I feel Katie. <laughs> and O'Toole says, you know what the difference is between you and me? Fear. Who has the least fear? Xander says, oh, it has nothing to do with who has the big, sharp knife. But O'Toole actually hands Xander the knife and is like, come on, as in, like, come fight me. I have no fear, even with you with the knife. The girls behind Xander saying, I'm bored. And then O'Toole grabs Xander, throws him up against the car just as a police officer. Lo and behold, a police officer is actually at the bronze, where they should always be. They should always be patrolling the bronze. And he shines a flashlight on the two of them and he says, What's going on? And Atul's just like, Nothing, just wrestling.
0: <laughs> Who says that?
1: I know, wrestling was such a funny thing to say. <laughs> I'm going to use that. And the officer, he he knows who O'Toole is, because O'Toole's a bad boy. And he's asking Xander if he's attacking him. And Xander's like, no, just blowing off some steam. You know, two guys just wrestling, not in the gay way.
0: No, because heaven for fan that Xander possibly be misinterpreted as gay. That would be the worst thing in the world. You know, no if homo, you're a no straight homo. person, you don't want people to think you're gay. Uh. But
1: uh, this episode is also... A really good take on masculinity, right? Because remember oh. in the last episode, Helpless oh, yeah. it was all about, you know, female power. Buffy getting her power taken away and then having to deal with being a normal woman out on the streets of Sunnydale well here we have Xander who is emasculated by his ex-girlfriend, by the jocks at school by his own friend group who don't think that he can be here for the danger the elf threw him around and now O'Toole's bullying him and on his own car in front of this new girl so it's all about the demasculation of Xander in this episode, at least for the first half, and Uh, The officer says, well, wrestle somewhere else (laughs) and leaves. So Xander looks at O'Toole and O'Toole's smiling at him. And he says, you could have narked on me, but you didn't do it. That's decent of you. I like you. And Xander's like, yay. (laughs) And he says, do you guys want to have some fun? And the girl's like, with driving? And Xander says... (laughs) What do you have in mind? And Xander says, I was on my way to get the boys, gonna cruise around. We'll take your wheels. And Xander's like, Well, what about your car? And he says, It's not mine. <laughs> so they get to Xander's car, and, and O'Toole's like, We're gonna get the boys. And Xander's like, Okay, and where are the boys? And Kara, Where are the boys? <laughs> where are they? The
0: boys are deceased. <laughs> <laughs> they're dead because this is sunnydale and it can't just be anything as simple as the boys are at their houses no the boys are dead but don't worry o'toole is gonna bring the boys back to town <laughs> and uh so he does a spell you know standard cut your hand blood uh and he says some words and uh he resurrects some guy in a letterman's jacket which okay. I just, yeah i want to point out like and i know that's the the magic of the hell mouth helping them here but like It is scary easy to raise the dead in this town. Okay,
1: uh, yeah, I have a lot of questions about this because, okay, number one, I thought it was Daryl from season two, episode two.
0: I mean, one dead bozo jock looks like another Staff, You're forgiven. It
1: is. I think it's Abraham from Walking Dead for anyone who watches that show. But the point is, at first I was like, Daryl, I thought you burned up. <laughs> but then I was like, not. This guy's name is Big Bob. <laughs> and, but you're right. So, so he gets raised immediately. And um, they go and raise all the other friends too. But like, I don't know. We're going to be seeing resurrection later in this show. It just doesn't seem like, why is this so easy? You know, like, so we can to think about this maybe in a couple of seasons. Well,
0: I mean, this isn't true resurrection because, like, it's not like they're restoring the these corpses, right? Like, some of them are, you know, not very fresh. Yeah, they're pretty old, yeah. Um, and we do, like, we find out that O'Toole himself is, is raised from the dead, but he, his, his grandfather or his uncle, or somebody but he, like, raised him really, really quickly. Um, oh, yeah,
1: that's a surprise later. That's, like, a good it's like what? yeah, Mom and, yeah. And,
0: but they're not real, they're not alive right like they're zombies now because like o'toole's like oh like i can't be killed and that's where some of his fearlessness is coming from mm-hmm. so it seems to me like this is not true resurrection in the sense that we will see later in the series this is more like Entersat's, you know you are back you are you you're not a demon uh but your body is still undead congratulations
1: yeah great job well o'toole says that his grandpappy is the one that could work the mojo and because when big bob gets resurrected he's like we're back you raised me we're back in action you're the coolest right he's
0: like peak jock
1: (laughs) He's yeah but i was like okay so did they all plan this you know what i mean like did they o'toole said no matter what happens i'll bring you back even if you die right so the girl freaks out and she runs away and Xander is just like, oh my God. And they say they're going to go off into the cemetery to, to get the rest of the guys. And, um, you know, Bob's like, how long have I been out? And O'Toole's like, well, you, you know, I had to wait eight months because the stars had to align. Like there was obviously something happening with the magic that he needed to wait for. And I really like that Bob is like, have you been taping the walkers like Texas Ranger Like, I've been taping stuff for me on TV. And he says, uh, I like that Bob was like, we're going to get the guys together and party. It's going to be a night to remember. And Xander's trailing behind them looking super sad.
0: Uh, Quick history lesson from Kara. Walker, Texas Ranger, for our younger listeners and fans of Buffy, um, was a TV show that was contemporary or not contemporary. It was a bit older than Buffy, Um, but it makes sense for teenagers in that era to still enjoy it. Uh it starred somebody named Chuck Norris who was uh an actor famous for his physicality and his fighting and
1: and the Chuck Norris jokes. Yeah,
0: so so some of our our older listeners who are still maybe too young to remember Walker, Walker Texas Ranger will this is how I know Chuck Norris because he became a meme on the internet where it's basically called Chuck Norris facts. And the idea was to make up the most ridiculous uh, fact that you could about like a claim that Chuck Norse could do something because Walker Texas Ranger, he he plays a Texas Ranger and he's quite good at kind of like martial arts and, and physical like hand-to-hand fighting. Um and that's how he solves his problems. So it makes a lot of sense for Bob and for <laughs> O'Toole to be 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 big fans of this show because as we were talking about earlier with masculinity, right? This is what they see as the peak of masculinity, is a hyper-capable physical guy uh, who solves his problems when necessary through violent altercations. So I just wanted to add that context in there for some of our our viewers and listeners who might not know what Walker (laughs) Texas Ranger is, but it makes a lot of sense.
1: Yeah. And if anyone wants to start up Chuck Norris memes and jokes again, I'm here for it. I love them all. Um, a, a recent one would be COVID-19 has to get Chuck Norris shots once a year or something like that. Like, that would be a Chuck Norris joke. <laughs> so i um, at a different cemetery, Restfield Cemetery. Giles is speaking Latin and like having a fight with a cloud. <laughs> like they're both speaking Latin to each other. And the cloud it, is floating there. <laughs> very
0: poor CGI. Like, it has not aged well.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like a floaty light, and it's telling Giles that the secret belongs to time and the dark regions. To reveal them would bring chaos down upon the living earth. And Giles is asking what the beast's weakness is, and the cloud is like, Seek not, disturb us no longer, and floats away. And I I don't really know what the point of that was other than to show that Giles was working some like crazy mojo out in the cemetery for Xander to then approach. And I think we also need to pay attention to the music in this episode because things get really serious many times because there's something apocalyptic happening with the rest of the Scoobies and that demands serious music. But whenever Xander shows up and it becomes his point of view again, it's like, do do it's like, a, it's like a happier nonchalant kind of music. And I think it works really well. So Xander interrupts Giles and he's like, Hey, what you doing? And Giles is saying that his access to the spirit guides isn't going well. What are you doing here? And Xander says, you, well, you know, we're just raising some heck as he sees like all the zombies behind him that are waiting for him by the car. And they're calling him and they're like, Xander, let's go. And Xander's asking Giles if he needs any help. And Giles says, best if you stay out of trouble. And Xander says, no chance of that. So Giles says, something's different about this menace, something in the air, the stench of death. And Xander says, yeah, I think it's Bob. (laughs) (laughs) And that was my favorite joke in the episode. Just, yeah, I think it's Bob. And Giles says, we may all be called upon to fight when it happens. I have to go. We need time to prepare. All we need is a few weeks. And then that's when we cut to Buffy who is talking to a severely injured Willie at his bar and his bar has been trashed and he's confirming that it will be tonight before sunrise. He says that the elves did this. They were looking for Angel and Buffy and nothing is down in their way because tonight was the night. And Willie says that he's never seen anything like these demons. And if the hell mouth opens, they're going to be the last of your problems So, Willie tells Buffy that if if he were her, he'd go find the angel, go somewhere quiet together. That's how he'd want to spend his last night on Earth.
0: And Buffy's really, like, concerned here. Like, she's like, I'm going to call the ambulance. Like, Willie is bleeding out. This is serious stuff.
1: But I also, I just want to say, so if... Willie was buffy he would go spend the last night on earth with angel like Willie, are we on the what same page is, here what you, <laughs> Stephanie? exactly i was like Willie. we like are you and i both you know in love with angel i think we are because Willie basically just said it uh but yeah things are really serious to the point where you know an adult is telling buffy this is your last night go spend it with someone you love ooh Cut to the boys in Xander's car screaming, let's get some beer. <laughs> and there, there's four of them now. And we, like you said, like Bob looks like a zombie. And then the other two are like rotting. <laughs> and they want to go pick up girls and hang out at Taco Bell, which is the most Thunder Bay thing I've ever heard in my life. <laughs>
0: Except we don't have Taco Bell in Thunder Bay. We just have Taco Time.
1: Taco Time. It would be Taco Time to we us. But...
0: We can't even hang out at Taco Bell. We're not that cool. We're
1: <laughs> Tim's. You can go to Tim's. Um, they keep saying they want to bake a cake. And they're talking about the gang wars between them and how, you know. This is
0: the whitest California gang I've ever seen.
1: Yeah. It actually doesn't make any sense to me that they all be in a gang. Like, I, I... Is
0: Sunnydale big enough to have gangs? <laughs>
1: Like they don't even have enough stuff going on. They need to have like white boy gangs <laughs> riding the streets of Sunnydale. Um, so what they want to do is they want to break into a liquor store and beat up the Armenian liquor store owner. And Dan are suggesting that they drop him off, that he drops them off somewhere. And O'Toole's like, nah, nah, you're one, you're one of us now. We're a team, baby. And... Xander pulls up in front of a hardware store. They all get out and they tell Xander to leave the motor running. And then they break the window of the store and start looting it. So Xander's talking to himself and he's like, I'm involved in crime. I'm the criminal element. Having a car sure is cool.
0: (laughs) But he doesn't sound like he's convinced.
1: No, no, no. And he spots Willow leaving the magic shop across the street. And he goes to see her. And Willow's just saying that she needed ingredients for a protection spell, and Buffy called from angels, it's happening tonight, and she can't stay. But she gives him a hug, and she says, I love you, Xander, and leaves. And at first I was like, ugh, like, don't touch him, we already know you guys had this whole thing at the beginning of the season. But then I'm like, mm, she thinks she's gonna die, so it makes sense for her to hug Xander and say I love you and goodbye, basically, right? So that's when Xander kind of like, it kind of slaps him into focus, and he's like, okay, all right, like, I got to do something about this. So he turns to leave and O'Toole is behind him and the guys are all surrounding him and they're loading ingredients into the car that the the ingredients that they call cake mix. (laughs) And O'Toole is telling them that Xander wants to leave. Well, that's because he hasn't been initiated yet. And Xander's like, great, I want to be in the gang. Sure. What do I got to do? And O'Toole pulls out his knife, Katie, and says, You gotta die. Ooh. So, so this is when Xander says, I'm not dying to be in the gang. If you know, if you get the pun, you know, and Bob says, oh, you're too good to be dead do you have a problem with dead people? (laughs) And Xander's like, what about Jack? Jack's not dead. And that's when it reveals. That's like the big reveal where Jack pulls up a shirt and there's a bunch of bullet holes in there. And he said, drive by three weeks ago, grandpappy found my body. I wasn't gone 10 minutes before he raised me.
0: Again, I'm just like, this is the first time we have heard any tell of this level of like violence in Sunnydale. Yeah. Um, The shootouts. It's it's. It just feels really bizarre to me, and I don't know if this is just the writers felt like they needed a gang element to the story, so they shoehorned it in here, or if this is supposed to kind of link into some of the the ideas behind season three, where it's like, oh, you know, like crimes on the rise. Please have to, I don't I don't know. It just it it just feels really out of place to me because we've always emphasized the supernatural threats in Sunnydale you know mm-hmm. I've never heard Joyce tell Buffy you know it, it's sure not safe to walk to the bronze at night Buffy because you could get shot in a drive-by like yeah if
1: anything uh Joyce should have wanted to drive Buffy around more knowing that the, all the gang violence happening in this little town yeah and, and
0: you know I am privileged enough to live in, in in a town where um we don't have a ton of like we have gangs but we don't have like drive-bys all the time especially not affecting like teenagers and stuff so Mm -hmm. um maybe this is just my privilege talking in terms of like oh this doesn't really feel like real to me but it it just does like i understand that this is definitely a concern in a lot of towns and cities but it, it just feels like this is the first time we're hearing about it in sunnydale
1: well yeah but also i think about it like these three students assumingly died from from gang wars of some sort. Like one was thrown mm. off a bridge, one was shot in the head. I think Bob looks like he got shot in the head. So like, ugh, yeah, why don't we hear more about this? Anyway, all of them agree that it would be really fun to watch Xander die. So they want to kill him. <laughs> and Xander makes a run for it. And they surround him in the coffee shop area, but he manages to dodge them and get into his car and drive off. And the guys are pissed, but they're like, because they wanted to bake the cake, but they're like, let's just get more stuff. And then the night is young, basically. So... As Xander is driving away, he's saying that that's enough excitement for one evening. But of course, who does he see as he drives up the street? It's Faith, the vampire slayer. And she's fighting one of the elves, the sisterhood of Jay, all by herself. And Xander hits the elf with his car and she tells her to get in. So they make an escape. They drive to her motel room. They run inside and close the door. The demon didn't follow them, but Faith says the bitch dislocated her shoulder. She's like, hold me, because she's got to pop him back into (laughs) place.
0: Yeah, so Zander, I think he misinterprets what she's saying there, because he's like, what? what?" Like, he just (laughs) wanted to, like... But she makes it work, and yeah, she, she undis, undis, sets, sets her shoulder. I, I don't know. Yeah,
1: so I think, yeah, pops it back um, in. I, yeah. She,
0: yeah, she pops it back in. I don't know. I've never dislocated anything. I've broken a bone before. I haven't dislocated anything. It just, I hate it. I hate it when we see it on TV. They're just, like, casually popping things back in.
1: Yeah, that doesn't bother me. I don't like, you know, me and neck slapping. That's a whole other thing. But watching people, <laughs> you know, fix their shoulders is no big deal. Um. But so Faith says, Oh, they got, she got me really wound up. A fight like that, no kill. And she starts rubbing Xander's chest. And she says she's about ready to pop because Faith likes to have sex, right? We haven't seen her in a couple episodes, but let's not oh, forget. We, we
0: cannot miss a chance to hypersexualize Faith. And also because we have had, you know, quite a few hot stakes from people about. Faith's um, bi coding and the the idea that subtextually she's attracted to Buffy, but of course can't have that on a, a show in the 2000s like this. So, you know, I think the show is also really, really, really trying to convince us that Faith is into guys and straight and not into girls at all. Yeah, uh, and this is the way they're doing it because she's uh, she's, she's her eyes on Xander. She's uh,
1: she's hitting on him, and <laughs> Xander's confused. And she says, uh, "Is he up for it?" And he's like, "I'm up." And then she grabs his dick and <laughs> starts like rubbing it, <laughs> and she's like, and he's like, "I'm suddenly very up." And I was like, "I did not, I did not want to watch this at all." And he admits that he's never been up with people before and again i want to stress that cordelia and xander dated for a year and cordelia it is my belief has had sex before with her past boyfriends
0: with her mitches yeah
1: with her mitches so i'm surprised that that cordelia and xander never actually had sex together because she loved him i think she unless it was like a little bit too emotionally close for her to let him in i don't know but that's interesting to me but Anyway, that's not what we're talking about now because Faith kisses him and she says, just relax and take your pants off. And she takes his shirt off and she's kissing him again and she pushes him onto the bed and she jumps on top of him and she says, don't worry, I'll steer you around the curves. Oh
0: boy.
1: And Xander says, did I mention that I'm having a very strange night? No (laughs) condom? No condom. Uh, Not that we saw. I think that's Faith as as, as slutty as the show wants her to be she's probably very safe or she's on birth control
0: well so i just i I can't i can't with this
1: Uh, they cut to the television screen in her motel room and so we don't see them having sex but we do see them having sex because it's a reflection of her on top of him riding him it's it's actually it's like whoa whoa this is like a gratuitous sex scene and Xander has sex for the first time right now in this episode. They're both cuddling in bed afterwards. And then, boom, Faith shoves him out the front door. He's not even dressed. He's wearing a bed sheet. And she's like, that was great. I got a shower.
0: <laughs> Which is very consistent with Faith's character. But Yes.
1: And I love that. <laughs> I just
0: uh, I find this scene extremely problematic for so many reasons, uh, mostly because with Faith's hypersexualization here, you know she she's basically using Xander. And the show is basically telling us that, you know, Faith doesn't care for Xander at all. Like she does. She's not seeing him as a person in this case, right? She's seeing him as a a tool for her pleasure. So I, I think there's a lot of problematic things with regards to consent around this scene. Like obviously Xander went along with it. But I also think like there's a power issue here where it's like Faith is more like more powerful like stronger faith is being very aggressive you know not really checking for that enthusiastic consent from xander he's just more like okay i'll just go along with this um so that makes me really uncomfortable and it just it makes me uncomfortable that the show is using you know faith as a character in this way to further xander's characterization and it's not really doing much for faith
1: Yeah, I agree. I agree on the faith aspect of it on the Xander. I don't really because I think like she did ask him, are you up for it? He says I'm up. Right. And I think it's not so much him not consenting. It's more him just being really nervous and not knowing what to do. Because I think he is consenting. Um, and allowing it to happen but i do agree with you about this having nothing to do with face character development and all to do with her suiting xander's storyline for this episode they're like well we need to get let xander mm-hmm. have sex so we'll just let faith do it because faith loves sex and she's not going to hold it against him or she's not gonna it's not gonna be a big thing it's gonna be a one night thing only so cut to oz the werewolf Who's jumping against the cage door? He's wild and just one more bash away from opening it, because we know it doesn't take much to open that cage door. And Willow is saying, she's never seen him like this. Giles gives her a trank gun, and she says that it's the hell mouth, he can sense it's about to open. So Giles opens the cage door, Willow shoots well Oz with the tranquilizer but it doesn't work it's not enough so as she's reloading Giles apparently has you know slayer powers and can just grab (laughs) the werewolf and pick it up
0: it's a tense little moment right because Oz is very close to jumping on Willow and she's having a tough time with the trank gun and (laughs) Giles is like very bravely grabs at Oz once again nobody could have seen this happening nobody could have like reinforced the cage or found a better location for us maybe don't let the werewolf be so close to the hellmouth I, yeah I, I don't
1: know. there's there's one thought i don't know um but willow shoots him again he goes down um and back in the car xander has gotten changed and he's thinking to himself and he looks through the bag of stuff in the car it's like kerosene and wires and he's like hey they're not baking a cake <laughs> And he drives to the hardware store, which is now empty, and he's talking to himself. And I really like this little scene for Nicholas Brendan, who I actually will shout out to him because I think this is a great little showcase for him, this episode. I think he does a lot of comedy. He, he carries it pretty well. And I really liked the scene for him because he's thinking out loud to himself. He's like, OK, got to think. I can't believe I had sex. OK,
0: Bob's like, right? Like- <laughs> yes, that is exactly what Zandra would be thinking at this moment. <laughs>
1: But that's so authentic, not only Xander, who, yeah, for sure, just had sex for the first time. And he's like, Oh, my God. But I think also, that's just like, as a teenager, if when you lose your virginity, you, you would just be like, I can't believe I did that. Wow, I did it. Like, I've done, you know, so I think, I think that's really, really funny. And Zenner decides to himself that he is out of his league, so Buffy would know what to do. Cut to my favorite scene in this episode.
0: I can't imagine why.
1: <laughs> because we cut to Buffy yelling at Angel, I don't know what to do! <laughs> and they're in the middle of a classic bangel conversation. The melodrama is singing, and they're... They're sacrificing themselves for each other once again. The The epic music is playing. There's fire in the background. It's just the two of them. And, and like, I feel
0: like classic. David and Sarah, <laughs> like they intentionally played it up a little bit. Like it's a little bit melodramatic. Yes. And they're hamming it up because this is meant to be a send up of those scenes we had earlier in the series like they know that they're satirizing it here
1: we said this in the last episode too like we just really love when the show stomps on its own mood or calls itself out <laughs> for what it does and this is exactly what the scene is angels like let me decide for you i can face this thing i can at least give you enough time for willow spell to bind it buffy this is the worst thing that anything we've ever faced honey it's the only way <laughs> And Buffy's like, I can't watch you die again. And he's touching <laughs> her face, and he's like, I love you. And Buffy's like, I love you. And he's like, Nothing can change that. Not even death. <laughs> these two, these two, and like Buffy starts freaking out. She's like, You might be ready to go, but I'm not ready to lose you. This is my fight. And if you won't do it my way, like this is a callback to amends when they had that giant fight on the on the hill. And that's when Sander. Okay, so the music stops because you hear. <laughs> And Xander's behind them listening to this conversation. Usually this is just between him and Buff, like Angel and Buffy, but here's Xander. And he's like, hey, um, I've got I've got this there's this uh it's probably a bad time. <laughs> because they're looking at him just like, what the hell? And he's like Do you guys need help with anything and they just shake their heads so he leaves because xander realizes that whatever his problem is it's probably not as big as what they're dealing with right now so as soon as he leaves the music starts back up and buffy and angel stare at each other again so it's just like so brilliant and from a writer um i forget who wrote this episode i think the same writer as lovers walk wrote this episode but someone who just really understands these characters and understands what the show has done so far
0: hmm. Yeah.
1: Xander's leaving Angel's mansion and he's like, OK, I can work this out. I just have to figure out where they're likely to put a bomb. So we cut to the library and there's candles and witch symbols on the ground and Giles is lighting all the candles and speaking Latin. Willow comes in. She said that Oz has moved. And she asks if they're doing a binding spell from the Hebron's Almanac. And Giles says, once it's ready, stay back and let me finish the recita- recitation. And Willow wants to argue. Because once again, remember, like Willow really loves to put herself in danger when it comes to magic. She wants to do it. And Giles says, I want you safe. So who knows what's going to come out from beneath us. And in the school basement, we see that the boys, the zombie boys, are putting together a bomb, and they have one hour before it detonates. Ooh! So in the car, Xander is telling himself that Giles will know what to do, um, and he's way more calm than Buffy, is what he says. And that's like the one thing Xander said in this episode that I didn't like. (laughs) (laughs) He drives right into the group of guys who are on the streets now, and he actually does something really smart, and he drives really quickly, and grabs one of them and is holding on to him as he drives away, hanging by the door while the others chase. And Xander's asking where the bomb is and the guy says it's in the high school in the boiler room. And as he's dragging him, Xander says, I'm going to ask you this once and you better pray you get the answer right. And the guy's like, okay, okay. And Xander's like, how do I defuse? And that's when he drives by a mailbox (laughs) decapitating the guy's head. And the guy's head just like, Falls off and
0: Xander screams. It's so good. It just the timing is perfect. Um, yeah. Although I, I I fear that this is just <laughs> confirming Cordelia's assessment that Xander is the Zeppo because this is like slapstick comedy right here, right?
1: Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so funny. So Xander drives to the school. And he's running through the hallways because the other guys are chasing him there. And he says, where's the Slayer when you need one? And in the library, the wormy headed penis demon, he's back and he's coming out of the floor. They're
0: going to have to repair that floor again.
1: Oh, yeah. And I will add that they never mention the floor at the end of the episode. They never say library's trashed. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, Giles, Buffy, Faith, Willow and Angel are all there and looking at it as it comes out. And Giles is like, my God. It's grown <laughs> and there's like lightning. It's like really intense, but behind them, the music, the like the playful music plays up again. And we see Xander run past being chased by the, uh, the guys and the one guy stands back and looks through the window at the demon that's coming out of the floor. And he's like, wow. <laughs> so in the hallway, O'Toole says, uh, they have to split up so they can find him, Bob takes an axe out of the school, like breaks the school axe window. There's one in every room and says, good for chopping. And as he confronts Xander in the cafeteria, Xander actually fights him off and crashes the candy machine on his head. So Big Bob is dead for real now. And his friend comes in and sees Bob dead on the ground and Xander's holding the axe. And Xander says, you should have learned by now. If you're going to play with fire... You got to expect sooner or later. But the guy takes off <laughs> <laughs> before he can finish. And Xander's like, hey, I wasn't finished. And then Nancy chases the guy, he says, "No to self, let's talk. And I was like, oh my God, this is so funny. Like such a funny... Only Buffy <laughs>
0: is allowed to banter with the bad guys, okay?
1: <laughs> so funny. So that's when Buffy gets thrown like out of the library, all the way across the hall. And... The, the giant heads of the demon kind of like follow her out of the room and she gets up and she screams, Faith, go for the heart. And she runs back into battle. So in the hallway, Xander's chasing the one guy with the axe and they run out of, out of screen. And then you hear a whimper and Xander runs out, followed by the guy of the zombie. And they're being chased by a couple demons, uh, the sisterhood of Jay, the couple of the elves and Xander dodges. He runs into a closet and the sisters catch up and they rip the other guy apart so it's just Xander and O'Toole now and one of the demons that Buffy's fighting sticks his head through the wall and Xander's like oh god and he runs down the stairs to the boiler room and that's when he finds the bomb there's two minutes left and he says dumb guy little bomb how hard can it be and that's when O'Toole grabs Xander from behind and they fight for a bit and <laughs> O'Toole takes out his knife and he's like, I'm going to carve you up and serve you with gravy. You piss me off, boy. Now you're going to pay the price. First your your eyes, then your tongue. Then I'm going to break all your fingers. And Xander's like, oh, you can do all that in 49 seconds. (laughs) And they wrestle a bit. They have a little wrassle off. And uh, O'Toole wants to go for the exit, but Xander's standing between them. And Xander says, I know what you're thinking. Can I get by him? Get up the stairs, out of the building, seconds ticking away. I don't love your chances. And O'Toole says, you'll die too. And Xander says, yeah, looks like it. So I guess the question really is, who has less fear? O'Toole points out that he's already dead. Xander says, yeah, but this is different. Being blown up isn't walking and drinking with your buddies dead. It's little bits being swept up by a janitor dead. And I don't think you're ready for that. And O'Toole says, are you? And Xander says, I like the quiet. (laughs) Ooh, Ooh. okay. So where's this coming from? So cut to the Scoobies. They're fighting the demon. And the sisters of Jay are there too. And Giles screams, now Buffy! As she hacks at it with her axe and stuff. So there's an epic fight happening upstairs. O'Toole and Xander are, are standing in the boiler room and it's silent and the clock says 10 seconds to go and then two seconds to go O'Toole defuses the bomb and Xander says good boy and he walks up to him and he says I don't want to be seeing you on campus anymore Jack and Xander leaves and as he goes (laughs) he closes the door behind him so O'Toole goes the other way to the other exit and he says I'm not going anywhere, Harris. The first time you turn your back. And as he opens the door, Oz the werewolf jumps out and tackles him. And we hear screaming and ripping.
0: Good job. Yeah,
1: it's so good. (sighs) Okay, so next morning at school, everything's back to normal. And we hear this like celestial music playing. Like it's like, Like, it's like very like, we survived. And Willow is saying, Even after the Hellmouth was closed, you could still hear it screaming. And we see them. They're sitting on a bench. Buffy, Willow, Oz, and Giles. They're sitting on one of the picnic tables. Buffy's arm is in a sling. They all look pretty beat up. And Oz asks if Angel will be okay. And Buffy says, he was only out for a few minutes, longest of my life. Ooh, So there was obviously some casualty in that angel's beautiful face was knocked out. And Willow says, I will never forget that thing's face. It's real face. And Buffy says, I don't know how you managed. She says this to Giles. I don't know how you managed. It was the bravest thing I've ever seen. And Giles says, or the stupidest. But the world continues to turn. So this is what I wanted to bring up because we mentioned before that in the last episode, Giles betrayed Buffy terribly. But in this one moment, Buffy and Giles have like a small little exchange where Buffy says that was the bravest thing I've ever seen and Giles (laughs) says or the stupidest so like did Giles save Buffy's life last night and this is now like them rekindling or them forgiving each other like I'm not getting enough you can't just pass by. I think that's the point
0: right is the show is doing a really good job of selling us on this idea that We just missed, you know, the biggest fight of their lives. It happened off screen. And it's it's funny because that is classically right. That has always been the case throughout literature. Um, You know, like if you think about Shakespeare, if you think about like Macbeth, Henry the Fourth, like all, all of these plays that involve like battle sequences, they always take place off stage and it's always characters talking about them afterwards. True. So it's a nice little homage. And yeah, I suppose in a way it is the writers trying to restore some of that relationship between Giles and, and Buffy. I, I agree with you that I wish we had seen more of it, but
1: well, like, what did it's he do done. that was so brave? And how did he save them all? And what happened to Angel? And where's Faith? Like, I did. Oh, I want to see to, the battle.
0: He had to defeat the beast by singing karaoke.
1: <laughs> Ooh, see, we deserve to see that moment on screen. So Will says, "No one will ever know how close the world came to stopping. Never know what we did." And that's when Xander comes up, and Willow says, "Boy, you're lucky you weren't at school last night. It was crazed." And Xander says well, give me the quiet life. I'm going to get a snack. Anyone want? And Oz says, I'm oddly full today. (laughs) (laughs) So Xander's just like, okay. And he goes to leave. And Cordelia approaches him on the, the quad and says, oh, look, it's Mr. Excitement. Another life or death donut mission? Or are we just cruising for bimbos again, giving them lessons in lack of cool? And Xander just stares at her. Then he grins. And she's like, what? And he just keeps grinning and he walks past her. And she says, what? What? And then cut to black. And that's the end of the Zeppo. So I love that Xander didn't tell them about what happened the night before. That he kept that yeah. to himself. So I'll say it here. Here it is. My hero of the episode is Xander. Although I will give a shout out to Giles. He did a lot of work in this episode. Wow. I mean, who else? Because I I think his heroic moment was at the very end. It was kind of like rude of the Scoobies to be like, good thing you weren't there last night, Xander. We're all heroes, but you're safe. And... (laughs) like xander in his own right was just as much of a hero last night but he's choosing to keep it to himself and not brag about it and i think that's growth for him i don't
0: think season one xander would have done that
1: yeah like i i like that about him i like that he's like you know what i don't need to say anything about it i don't need your cheers i don't need your applause it's just what it is you know
0: this is definitely i think you know the people who view xander as heroic and who sometimes criticize the amount of Xander slander we heap upon him, this is what they see, right? Is they see the Xander of this episode in the whole series. And and I've never denied that Xander has heroic qualities. I just don't think that he always acts on them. He is acting on them in this episode, and that's one of the reasons it is such a brilliant episode. Is it, it really is Xander at his finest.
1: We said at the beginning, like I don't mind giving Xander his chance to wear the hero cloak, because he is brave, and it shows that as the odd man out, the whole theme of the episode, right? He's the odd man out, but... He's a lot braver because of that. He's willing to put his life on the line and fight on the front lines along with all his super-powered friends, even though he has no special power or strength of, of his own that helped to protect him. But he's still there fighting. And hey, if this is the episode that people like to reference when he's being brave. I'm with you on that. And I think that if this is the episode where he's starting to make that change, we've been seeing that change a little bit over the last couple episodes where Mm -hmm. there might be a little shift in how we get to look at Xander. I think
0: what we're seeing is Xander's getting over Cordy, right? Because when he's like, who am I? This whole identity crisis as Oz identified. Up until recently, Xander was Cordelia's boyfriend and that gave him a cool factor of a sort, and it gave him an identity. He's like, I'm a guy who has a girlfriend, a good-looking girlfriend, who at least until she started hanging out with me, was popular at school. Um, and since they broke up, he he's lost that identity, and and Cordelia has done her work of trying to get over Xander but I think what we saw in the subsequent episodes was Xander really kind of in denial and refusing to process his guilt over cheating on her and you know the the fact that their relationship is definitely over yep. um in contrast to Oz and Willow so this episode represents as we saw in that final moment where he ignores Cordelia's barbs this is him moving on and and finding more confidence in himself as a person
1: and dare I say maturing (laughs) dare i say it because he also to the last three seasons being sexually gratified was a big part of his personality and here he is he had sex the night before for the first time
0: yeah but he's not saying anything about it I, i don't want to give him like credit for that no i don't think we should i don't think we should equate like being sexually active with being more mature right
1: i think in xander's case uh, it has nothing to do with the fact that he had sex the night before it's the fact that he's choosing to not brag about it or like giggle about okay, it with, yes. with willow yeah, yeah yeah that's the difference um and in that way that's what i mean like i think it's really great that he's decided to just like keep it to himself and have that moment on his own okay
0: but honestly do you think if he told anybody would they believe him on either couch <laughs>
1: yeah like i don't xander's not a liar well i don't Oh, I don't know if they would believe him I guess we'll never know because he's keeping that shit to himself um, until later I also
0: want to give an honorable mention for heroism to Oz for eating O'Toole
1: <laughs> great job werewolf Oz we love you uh was well does that mean Xander's also your hero for this episode
0: yeah I mean yeah. I, I can't argue it right like yeah like you I'm it. loath to do it but
1: <laughs> it hurts my soul a little bit we are nothing
0: if not honest podcasters so <laughs> Xander deserves it
1: Yeah, he does, and and like I said at the beginning, you know, those who are nervous to hear us talk about it and stuff like this, like it's a great episode, the funnest episode we've had in a while. Like you said, uh, nothing, nothing but thumbs up from me.
0: I do have a couple of thoughts on masculinity as it appears in this episode before we dive into our hot stakes. Yeah, Um, I think you and I both made some really good points as we were discussing the episode with regards to like how we see toxic masculinity manifest. I think that for me, something the episode could have done better is challenging that definition of masculinity, right? Because we, we see Xander's deficits in terms of, well, he's not athletic, um, he's not good at posturing in front of other guys, he's not good at getting girls. So, so the show is positing quite a toxic definition of masculinity, And then what it does is it shows us that Xander can actually do those things if he puts his mind to it. He can be cool. You know, he can be fearless. He can be the action hero. He can get a girl and have sex. Maybe not quite the way he intended to, but he can do it. Yeah. And and this is very much just a case of, well, it's a product of its time. But I, I think it's important for us to really question the implied premises here about what the show is saying about masculinity and how like there is more to being a man than what we see xander do in this episode and i i hope that um that's something that we can keep in mind and maybe think about are there more positive images of masculinity that we can continue to look at in the show
1: yeah well said i agree want to get to our hot stakes?
0: let's do it.
1: All right, so our first hot steak is from Ellie, who sent us a message on Instagram. And she says, I listened to all of season one of the podcast before I started rewatching. And I thought maybe y'all were being harsh on Xander. <laughs> but then when I watched the episode, I completely agreed with you. Yay! Yes. Xander says so many self centered, blatantly sexist comments, and it's gross. Yes, it is, Ellie. It's all about him and his penis. Ew, Xander. <laughs> And yet there are two qualities or actions of Xander that I really like. Number one. He's completely obsessed with Buffy romantically and is an asshole about it, but simultaneously, or maybe a little later on, he embarks on a genuine friendship with her and truly values her as a friend, alongside his sadness and disappointment about not being able to have her romantically. Two, even though he is not romantically interested in Willow, he truly, truly loves her as a friend. She is probably the most important person to him. Their friendship is not perfect, but it's beautiful and arguably the greatest love story of the series. Ooh, interesting. Uh, So Xander truly values female friendships and connections even when he cannot be involved with them romantically and this unfortunately is a very feminist trait even in current times interesting ellie yeah so i'm glad that we that uh we we might have come off as harsh at first but then you came to our side that's always nice to hear (laughs) i i i do agree about xander and his friendships with buffy and willow and that tags into the masculinity uh, the toxic masculinity idea that you brought up earlier Kara. is that Xander is trying to live up to this idea of what masculinity has been fed to him, but let's not forget that his two best friends are females, they're girls, and the way he's treated them up until now oftentimes has been problematic But Mm -hmm. when it comes to Buffy, I agree that in the past couple of episodes, remember in Amends when all of a sudden he was like, you know what? I've been a dick. And he tries to help Buffy figure out what's wrong with Angel. You and I were like, what is this? He's being nice. He's comforting her. He's listening. He's supporting. This is very strange, (laughs) right? And um, even here where Willow gives him a hug and tells him she loves him in this episode and... And um, he really does want to help his friends and be useful to them. So I think that what Ellie is saying is very true, that Xander does value his friendships. Um, He's got a lot to learn about women, but I think having these two very powerful, wonderful women in his life, hopefully now he's going to start switching to cherishing them as they should be cherished.
0: Yeah, I I mean, I think Ellie's made like a, a really kind of deep comment here. And it's difficult to discuss without going into spoilers. I, I'm going to agree, but also kind of disagree in insurgent aspects mm-hmm. without going into details. I, I think I would question the characterization of Xander valuing female friendship and connection. I see it as if the women are not romantically interested in him, he stops seeing them as women. Does that make sense? Yes. Um, and I, I don't view that as a particularly positive thing because it, it's kind of like, you know, along the same lines of like, oh, I don't see race. Oh, I don't see gender. It's like for him, it's oh, well, you're just Buffy. You're just Willow. Right. And he's not quite seeing them fully as who they are anymore, because to him, if you're not an object of sexual or romantic interest, then, well, then you're not fully a woman. You're not fully feminine. And, and we, we can explore this idea. <laughs> more fully as the series goes on but yeah i think ellie like you've made a really good point about xander's growth uh about what he's learned and we should remember right that xander is you know a young person here he's a teenager and that doesn't excuse his behavior but Mm -hmm. we have to always keep that context in mind when we're critiquing it
1: yeah, and I think we've both made a point that like, maybe it's starting to happen now. Maybe there's a shift that's happening mid-season three that's going to carry on, and we can definitely talk more about Xander and his friendship with these women in his life yeah. in the future, because I think it's going to be more relevant then.
0: All right. Our next hot steak is from Alec, and it's a comment about Gingerbread, and specifically the character of Michael. So just a reminder, um, in the episode Gingerbread, which was the one with the obsession— over witches in sunnydale and moo and (laughs) Uh, and and michael is a male character he's a warlock Uh, we hadn't seen him before then before now but he's been doing spells with uh, willow and amy and alex says i liked that you brought up the conversation around michael being a metaphor for someone who is queer or gender non-conforming i wanted to bring up a couple of things i noticed with michael in the episode Michael is the only male character of the witches, and is also the only character that is physically assaulted in the show, and it is always done by other men, both the group of bullies and his dad. From what I remember, Michael is the first character we have met with speaking lines that does not follow the more traditional expressions of masculinity, and it really sucks that the first time we meet someone like Michael, we have to watch him be in pain and unhappy for the majority of the episode. I don't have a real conclusion to this, but I thought I would mention it to you both, because in a lot of media, queer-coded or gender-nonconforming characters are automatically depicted to be unhappy, and this leaves the queer audience watching to assume that it is all they will be in life as well. That's at least what I thought growing up, which isn't true. I always pay close attention to how a show treats its queer or trans-coded characters and look to see if the characters are ever shown to be happy or loved the point of the violence against Michael always being done by other men is also something interesting to notice. Uh, And we should see if this is carried on in the show with other characters. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So thanks for, for pointing that out, Alec, because uh, we've continuing to have this conversation about queerness and queer representation and queer coding in the show, because there's so much to talk about in the show where it's like, because of the era in which it was made, it's like, well, did the writers put this in? Do they mean this? Are we reading into it? Like it, it's it's hard to tell sometimes, right?
1: Yeah. And I think that really opened my eyes too. It's like, you're right. Like so many of the queer characters in these shows of the time aren't mm-hmm. happy. And it's like when you see, um, let's say a, a character that's closeted on a show like this or on a teen show usually there's that fear of what will happen when they come out and that's going to be their storyline so i know in i mean we saw
0: that with larry right
1: yeah yeah so and that was very typical and still is in a lot of shows but i think nowadays um shows are coming out where people can start being who they are
0: and seeing the, the joy
1: the joy yeah. exactly and, and not having to see the whole oh, I had to come out and it was weird. It was like more like, no, like this is who I am and people accepted it. And we're getting more of those kind of stories and how it's, yeah, like like you said, the joy. And I think that's nice to see changing now. (laughs) Hopefully more joy to come, everybody. Uh, Thanks Ellie and Alec for your hot steaks. Fresh year 2022. (laughs) Uh, We are excited to continue on with season three and enter our second year of recording
0: all right and uh thank you especially to our supporters our chosen ones from buy me a coffee lizzie emma hannah and tara
1: thanks everyone see you next week bye
0: thanks for listening to prophecy girls if you want and can afford to donate head over to buymeacoffee.com slash prophecygirls for one-time and monthly options.
1: We appreciate all of your support, even if it's just spreading the word about us or enjoying our show week by week.
0: We also invite you to join in the discussion by messaging us on our social media channels.
1: Follow us at Prophecy Girls Podcast on TikTok, Instagram, and Facebook, and prophecy underscore girls on Twitter.
0: You can also reach out to our email at ProphecyGirlsPodcast at gmail.com or visit our website, ProphecyGirls.ca. See you next week.
1: Bye.